Welcome to the podcast by Pleasant Valley, where we talk about biblical truth, address your questions, and seek to help you fall deeper in love with Jesus. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast by Pleasant Valley. I'm your host, Caleb Eisler. And for this week's podcast, we're going to talk about the importance of personal devotions. And so for the purposes of our discussion, I thought I'd get together some of the wisest Christians I know to talk about their experience with personal devotions over the years. Maybe give us some do's and don'ts and some really practical tips to help us in our journey along the way. So for this week's discussion, we have Dr. Al Bean, Dr. Barb Condra, and Dr. Stana Martin talking to us about the importance of personal devotions. I pray that you'd be encouraged and you'd be challenged and you'd be able to walk away with two or three practical tips on how to continue to just deepen your devotional life. So let's dive into the discussion as our panelists introduce themselves. All right. Hi. Yes. Okay. I've been a member of PV for over 25 years and I've taught community groups by various names uh, for that amount of time. And um, I love teaching and working with the adults in that. I've also done some, uh, I was chairperson of the missions committee, been to India six times, a couple of other places in Germany and in Boston once on mission trips. Took the perspectives class a year ago and participated in the Antioch project three or four years ago. That, that's a summary. <laughs> That is perfect. That's perfect. And next, I want to introduce Stana Martin. I'll let her give you an idea of just her involvement at PV. I think I became a member about 10 years ago. I was trying to think back, but I think it's been roughly 10 years ago. And I started in Dr. Albine's Bible study class. I'm ever so grateful for that. And I just have served several places in the church. At first, because I wasn't known in the church and I didn't know people, I served wherever I could find a place. I served in the technical ministry. I served in parking. I served, I just served because that's what you do. And uh, as, as I became more familiar with the people in the church, I sort of stepped up to lead small groups. And I have led multiple small groups over the last, probably the last six years. Some of them for a very short window of time, some of them for up to two years. But I would probably say, I don't know, a double handful of groups. I don't have to stop and count to think. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, finally, I want to introduce uh, Dr. Albin. I've been a member of Pleasant Valley for about 15 years or so, and uh, spent a good portion of that time teaching uh, in a community group, uh, working in the worship and arts program. I was part of the choir, and we enjoyed that, served as a deacon, and so had a lot of, a lot of places to serve and enjoyed them. Enjoyed them. Awesome. Yeah, thank you all so much for your leadership at PV and uh, just the huge impact of that. So first question I want us to start off with, and uh, I'm just going to release this and get out of the way and let you all talk, is why are daily devotions so important? Why are daily devotions so important? Well, you know what, Caleb? To me, that's like saying, why do you feel the need to eat three times a day? Because you're hungry. Because without it, you can't do what you need to do. And the same thing is true of devotions. If you don't spend time with God in some form of a devotion, you are hungry and you don't have the energy, the direction or the strength to do what you need to do. I'm glad Barb said that because I was going to say, as I sat here quietly thinking about it, it was like you asked me, why do you feel the need to breathe? I can't, I can't imagine at this point in my spiritual walk to not have daily sometimes multiple times a day just having prayer and time with God because I, I don't know how to do my life without that. Well, I guess, I guess that takes us back to a question of what do we mean by devotionals? Uh, 
personal devotion time, and it's a it's a regular dedicated time with the Lord. Now, in both breathing, your body tells you when you need to breathe. Your body tells you when you need to eat. But is your is your spirit telling you when you need the Lord? So sometimes, you know, we can we can go we can't go without breathing, but we can go without drinking, become dehydrated, we can get hungry, and famished, and lose lose all our energy. So one of the questions I have about devotions when someone asks me is, why do you feel a need for it? Or do you feel a need for it? That is so good. So e- even, even within that, Dr. Bean, you, you talked about what is a daily devotion. Are there certain elements that you would say would and would not constitute as a daily devotion? What are some core elements? We know Bible reading, prayer, any other thoughts on that? I, I, would, I would say there are two, absolute, two that are absolute. One is scripture. The other is prayer. We can add to that all sorts of things, but it's going to start there. But I want to come back a little bit later in our conversation and talk about what we mean by Scripture, not what the Bible is, but how we handle it, because that's going to be a very significant part of it. And if we're dipping into Scripture, if our idea of dipping into Scripture is read our favorite verse or somebody else's favorite verse and get on with it, uh, we're... We're not treating the Word of God as such. Those two things, Scripture scripture and prayer, are the absolute essential. Absolutely. I don't don't know, Dr. I don't don't know, Al, if I would 100% agree with you. Don't hear me saying I disagree, because I don't. But, you know, my devotional time has had wide variation over my life. And sometimes I've had very much like Scripture reading and prayer and maybe even add scripture reading, prayer, and praise, or, you know, sometimes I'm just reading a, a good book about uh, how to read the Bible, though, so I, I don't know what you mean when you say a structured time. I am not a very structured person. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't just use... sort of happens throughout the day. Yeah, but see, I didn't use the word structure, because I think you're exactly right. Uh, I used to tell people, find what is prime time for you. Mm. And uh, there, there are places, whether you're driving to work or whatever you might be doing. So the structure is absolutely not important. The length of time is not important. The time during the day is not important. The quality of the experience is what we want. And, what it, and the way it feeds us for the remaining portion of the day or or week or whatever. In fact, there can be some days you don't have a personal devotion. Maybe you've got a schedule that is so hectic and so uh, so involved uh, in Antioch that was mentioned by Barb and, and myself. Oops. <laughs> uh, it, it starts at it starts at six fifteen in the morning. Well, unless you're really some unusual person, uh, God doesn't want to hear from you before six fifteen, and you probably don't want to hear from Him. You don't really want to hear from anybody. <laughs> That's right. That's right. On Monday, especially. So yeah, I, yeah. I no, I agree. It's it's hard, and I found it hard. Um, and one of the things now that, especially since it's my husband and I all the time together. I mean, he's not leaving to go do something and leaving to go work. And my day for me starts the best if I have the first thirty minutes. All by myself. The dog is on my lap. He thinks he gets up, he goes out, he comes in, he sits on my lap. And and I have some devotion time. And it may be I'm sitting with a cup of coffee just in silence, getting focused. 
But when I don't have that alone, so I kind of try to figure out how to get up before he does. So he's right. like, what are you fixing for breakfast? Nothing right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the things I want to back up, I don't really want to go in depth in that direction, but I do think that if you don't at some point, especially early on in your Christian life, or early on if you feel a, kind of a, I need to reconnect with God, there has to be some intentionality of time with God. True. And what Stana is saying about having um, conversations or interactions with God throughout the day informally is right on. Absolutely. But that's not how you begin. Correct. I agree. You begin with, okay, if morning is your best time, I'm going to every morning sit down for 10 minutes, 15, 30, whatever, and I'm going to talk to God. And I think for somebody who's a beginning Christian, I think they need to think of it in that, those terms. I'm going to talk, I'm going to have a, and maybe a better definition would be sit down and have a conversation with God, which means you may do some talking, but he will too. And you need to listen. So I do think there has to be some intentionality or you'll never really get into depth. Right. And I, I would like to backtrack and agree with Barb on that. Um, you know, when I first really got serious about my faith and about studying and trying to really get closer to God, I, I had very, a lot of structure because I'm not a very good structure person. And I knew that if I was really going to do it, I had to commit to a time and a pattern of reading because I was clueless. Uh, I'm still pretty clueless, actually, but back then I was really clueless. And so I had to have somebody else's reading guide and somebody else's structure because I, I didn't know what to do. So I agree with Barb about that. Is it, I think sometimes it depends on where you are in the season of your life. When I had small children, it was different than now when I'm, you know, empty nest. So. Well, I, I think you're right. Also, not only about the structure, I'd like to see devotions as a diving board. It is the way by, by which you're going to launch the day with the Lord. And sure. you talked about you talked about reading a book uh, that would maybe just how to read the Bible or some other some other book that moved you. Uh, for a long time, in my experience. I was so frustrated by my personal devotion in the morning that I would get up and, and drink coffee and so on. Still didn't feel very spiritual at all. So, but I did find out if I could, if I could read a book or read anything that would draw me into prayer, that would be the starting point for that morning's, morning's devotion. And then at the end of the day, evaluate it. Did, did it work? Yeah. So I think how do you evaluate it, Al? Like at the end of your end of the day, how do you look back and say, "Did it work?" Yeah, that's a good question. I ask I ask myself, what do I expect from a from a devote personal devotion? What do I what do I expect from it? Do I expect intimacy? Do I expect a voice from God? Do I do I expect a centering down within myself? Do I expect a a word from God from Scripture, uh, or do I have a specific prayer request? And the the amount of specificity that I have in the morning gives me my criteria for evaluation of the evening, which in my case, nine times out of 10 is not good. 
So let's take that for a second because I think this would be helpful and to kind of move into a line of question of what are some myths, you know, that we have about, you know, quiet times, daily devotions, and what are some unrealistic expectations we might have? Because you mentioned the voice of God. I know for many, um, you know, we'll have another talk on prayer, but for many, it feels like it, if I don't feel like I'm on a spiritual cloud nine, then it didn't work. And I, yeah. none of you would say it needs to feel like that every day. So what, what would be some myths or, or other ideas of, you know, what, what are good ways to think about quiet times and the daily devotions? Some folks have personal devotions. Some folks read the astrological table in the newspaper. <laughs> some folks read something else. Uh, but too many times they're expecting to know what the day lies before them or to know how to live the day. Yeah. A good friend of mine uh, reads a verse of scripture and about three paragraphs of a, dev- of a devotional book and then expects that to nurture her soul for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's like people who get up and eat one donut hole and expect that to last them until evening. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the myths is, and, and Al's kind of hit on it, is that you find the one way, one way that works for you and you stick with it. And if you're really a good, devoted Christian, you will do that every day. Right. And I don't. (laughs) I don't either. In that way, in every day. Um, Because I think the myth is that we can control our lives in order to have that piece of time always be there and do it. And I don't think any of us, we don't take into uh, account the reality of our lives. The reality of our lives is that there are other people and other things that will interrupt it. They can't help it. And, and sometimes you have to just put it aside. I mean, if I'm a mom of little kids, yes, I need, I certainly need to talk to God. I certainly need to have devotion. But if I say, okay, kids, you got to be quiet for 30 minutes and from 10 to 10 30 every morning, this is my time. Well, (laughs) good luck with that. You know, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more important to maybe um, tell yourself what it is that, wh- what do you benefit the most by when you're spending time alone? Is it the quiet and you can mm-hmm. hear God that you can listen? Because that may be able to be done by going into the bathroom and shutting the door for five minutes if you've got a house full of people. But you identify what it is that maybe brings you um, with a sense of being in touch. I don't want to use the word feelings because that, I think, becomes a myth. Feelings work. It's all right. Okay. But no. it, it brings you in touch with God. And, and a devotion can be as simple as saying, you know, taking a deep breath, sitting still for a minute or two, and saying, God, you know what my day is like, and I want to hear you throughout the day. Guide me through this day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, that wouldn't be something you do every day, but it might be on the day that looks totally out of control. So you have to be flexible with it. You have to have intentionality, but you have to be flexible, and you have to understand who you are as a person. For me to do the same thing over and over and over again would drive me crazy. 
because I, I need variety. You know, I, right. if I'm going to eat, I'm not eating the same thing five days in a row. <laughs> I, I, I use leftovers, but not, you know, <laughs> so I need, I, I know that about me. So there's variety in what I do. And when it's no longer getting me close to what I need, I know I've done the same thing repeatedly and that's not helping. Good point, Barb. That's really, that's actually correct. And, um, I was going to say, and I'm probably going on a tangent, and I apologize, you're always welcome to drag me back. I think you know what your goal for your quiet time is. And I think that's where Al started this part of the conversation. When I was young in the faith, and I used other people's structure and sort of kept myself on a rigid path, I desperately needed scriptural grounding. I desperately needed that structure. And, um, now I'm old, you know, and I've been doing this a while and I find that I'm okay with a little more variety now than I was before because my goal for my quiet time with God is different now than it was when I was new in my faith. And these days I need that touchstone and I need it consistently and persistently throughout the day. And when things go wrong in the day, as they inevitably do, I have to remind myself now is not a good time to panic. Now is a time to take that five minutes that Barb said and just close your eyes and say, Lord, I just need to be reminded that you are on your throne. Yeah. So my goal for my quiet time these days is simply to remain as close to God as I can throughout the day. And a different goal than it was when I was first trying to, figure out where Isaiah was in the Bible, you know? <laughs> and we're trying to figure out how big God is. Yeah. yeah right. Right. You know, that, but along, along with that, uh, there's another aspect that Barb didn't use the words, but I think uh, she and I would agree on this. You need to know yourself. You need to have some understanding of who you are, what makes you tick, what turns you on, what turns you off. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some folks, the idea of getting up before the sun does and trying to be quiet just means they're going to sleep longer. That's all. They're going to sleep sitting up instead of lying down. That's all. So if they, if they know their own needs, what turns them on? Uh, if they need structure, then get structure. If they need free-form devotions uh, to dance around the house, draw a picture for God so he'll know what the day looks like, it works. I think one thing too that I've noticed, especially with in leading twenty somethings, has been early on in your Christian journey. And you you've each mentioned this in some way that yes, you want to be consistent in your devotions, but sometimes you can almost become a slave to the idea that if I don't do it every single day, then I, I'm not a good Christian. I, it can't happen. And even though we should strive for that, Jen Wilkin will talk about it's so much better to be really immersed in Scripture. A, you know, two or three days a week and spend time in meditation with God than just to kind of read one verse and do something out of consistency to check a box that's totally dead and lifeless. Right. And right. I think for me, that was, that was one of the freeing things is saying, you know, I, sometimes it takes, it's kind of like working out, you know, when you first start, you just have to train yourself. Okay. I know I need to do this because it's going to be good for me, but it isn't until you get into it that you begin to just enjoy it. And it becomes something you look forward to at every moment. And I think there's an element of that with this where, yeah, for a lot of us, it just has to be this reality that if we miss a day, 
it doesn't mean we're suddenly uh, we're not Christians and it's the end of the world. And I think being able to get out of that rut would be huge. Or, or if you're just bored. <laughs> well, and see, and that happens to me. I I get bored easily. I mean, and that's just who I am. And even a doctor told my mother that when I was a baby, because he she said, "What's wrong with her? She's crying." And he asked a bunch. She cries all the time. And he said, well, after he asked her a couple of questions, he said, "She's bored." Change the toys that are in the crib, change their location, and solve the problem. I was bored as, you know, so that's really set kind of the standard. But the, two, the thing I was going to say is that you can also focus in your devotion times on different aspects of your spiritual health or your spiritual needs. Um, like right now, I'm focusing on hearing the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And truthfully, that's not easy. <laughs> I don't always hear the Holy Spirit, or I'm not sure that the, right now I hear the dog, but um, I don't always <laughs> hear the Holy Spirit, but I want to. And so that's what my focus is. The, the scriptures that I read are focused on that. The, my prayer time seems to be focused on that. And a couple of years, well, during the Anion Project, um, started, did not know about this book, but there's a book called uh, Classic Devo Classical Devotions by Renovari, R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E with an accent. That's, these are by spiritual gurus across the centuries. That's right. And names I'd never, some I'd heard of, and some I'd never heard of. And if you think you have a deep devotional life, just go read one of these <laughs> and you instantly realize you know nothing. Your devotional life is totally thin and unimportant. I mean, talk about deep dive. It is, but it's very good because it opens the door to what the possibilities are. And then one of them, and then they give some pretty helpful suggestions. One of them said, um, right, just right on a, I can't think what the second one is now, but it said, to whom am I listening? And I typed that out and I put it in the bathroom, on the refrigerator and some other place that I know I'm going to be passing by so that I could see that and go, wait a minute, who is it that's speaking to me? To whom am I listening? So it extended the devotion in throughout the day. And I still have those up. God, I love that, Barb. I love that. I'll never forget. I was struggling because I would have my emotion, my devotional time in the morning. I said emotional time, didn't I? <laughs> the morning. And, um, sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes it is. Um, and then I would like for the rest of the day, go along my day and I would totally forget about God. I would just do everything that I needed to do and do it on my own time and wonder why at the end of the day I was exhausted. And I asked this really smart, well uh, prayed up guy named Dr. Albine. <laughs> and... He said to me, you need to pause in the middle of your day to find ways to remind yourself to just stop and listen for God right there, you know? And I, at that time, I was driving a lot for work, and I thought, where in the heck am I going to get a reminder? So I just told myself every time I stop at a stoplight, I'm going to take a bit deep breath and say, okay, God, what do you think? And you continue that practice to this day. Now, I don't drive as much anymore, so I'm a new trigger like Barb's, but I think it's healthy to find ways to remind yourself throughout the day. You can have your devotional time in the morning, 
But like Al said, it's not enough to eat a donut hole and expect it to last you till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, honestly, on that note, um, the, any 20-somethings that will listen to this will roll their eyes because they hear me talk about this all the time. But um, I, I think to your point, if you can have a moment um, or something that you know will happen consistently throughout the week or, if possible, daily – um, that you can latch onto and say as a reminder of like, okay, I'm going to take this one minute or these two minutes partway through the day as a chance to just be with God again. And so for me, uh, I love sunrises and sunsets and I just have just been enraptured by them. Just think they're gorgeous. And so that's been this reminder for me of, okay, I know that's going to happen every single day and it's going to happen twice a day. And so I can take those, you know, that minute each time, and just uses like when I when I walk walk outside, maybe I'm getting home from work, or I'm doing homework, and I happen to look up. It's just this brief moment of like, okay, I'm going to take this one moment for the Lord, and it served as this reminder. And uh, it's just been so helpful to have something like that for others. We were talking about this in twenty somethings, and a guy said, you know, I, I'm going to think about something in the shower, so I might as well I might as well just take a moment to pray. And he's like, <laughs> I'm showering every day, <laughs> so. Uh, even just something like that as a, a brief reminder to your point, Stana. I think it's good. Hey, I, I wonder if anybody has an electronic device in their pocket that would remind them of something. <laughs> anybody know <laughs> anything that's on the market that would do that? Mm -hmm. In fact, there are, I understand there are programs that will send you a prayer request periodically. So, you yeah, know, it's not far-fetched. Even technology has chimed in on it. Yeah. Yeah, you can make a lot of money if you can come up with an idea like that. <laughs> I think somebody already did. <laughs> <laughs> because we should be making money off of prayer. That's, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that we wouldn't have to pray for money. That's <laughs> maybe so, you'll edit that part out. Yeah, or maybe, or maybe that'll be the laugh that people get here. Uh, so... I want us to I want us to transition just for a moment to the idea of um, we've talked about different different myths the idea of a devotion but what are some of your favorite approaches to devotions um, you guys have mentioned that you have different approaches over time maybe even different approaches by day but what are some approaches that have consistently to you helped feed your soul well I'll go first because I suspect mine will be the most shallow. Uh <laughs> Honestly, I really do am a person that wants to feel close to God. And I know, no, we're not supposed to be basing our faith on our feelings and all that, you know. So I don't disagree that you can't go with your feelings. But I also think that if I had a lover, somebody that I loved and that I wanted to be close to, do you know, I wouldn't go there dry with emotions. So I definitely will seek things that help me have that sense of awe and amazement and humility because I need to be reminded that I'm just not that big and God is. So I am a one who often goes to praise, praise music. I, I use music sometimes. I'm, I love the starry night sky. So almost every night before I go to bed, if it's a clear night, I don't care how cold it is, I walk out on my deck and I just look up to remind myself. Um, and I said, I, can you see me getting all, all, all emotional about it? Because I love to be reminded that God is immense and beautiful and fierce. Um, so if all I did is memorize scripture, I think I would hate my faith. And I don't want to do that. 
so that's a go-to a go-to thing for me is I I will try to seek out opportunities to be in that emotional space. What are I some ways? If, I, if I have an aspect of it that I always do, it, it is probably that silence part. Yeah. That that I be, I I begin with. Let's just sit here and breathe. Um, and yes, it's in the morning, typically, and almost always with. Well, that's not true. Always with a cup of coffee. There's <laughs> always, always a cup of coffee. <laughs> always. But it is that. I mean, I literally just sit there and close my eyes and just focus on God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And by focus, I mean I'm. I just think words or just repeat the same word um, in my head because what I what I'm trying to do is to say okay this this is where you get your strength from and you have to first of all come into his presence and that's what I'm trying to do is to come into that presence and it, it is certainly is feelings are involved I'm definitely a feeling person and and emotions are strong and important to me um, but just because I don't feel close to God does not mean God is not close to me. So that's where the feelings can lead you astray. Right. Um, so, but I think that quiet piece, that quiet time, and I do go back to the importance of intentionality because if we don't, and I'm not disagreeing with what Stana is saying about multiple different things happening, because I do that too, but I don't want to lead somebody who's a beginner to think that that's going to be sufficient because it isn't. They True. have to have some intentionality. There has to be some scripture reading and I'd like us to talk a little bit about that in a little while. But um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's what I, I should shut up and let someone else speak. <laughs> well, something, something else that has helped me is uh, our hymns. I, I had the privilege of being raised in church essentially going beginning attending the Baptist church when I was two weeks old, not by myself, actually my mother took me. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> good to know. So, so I, was, I was raised in the uh, generations of the hymn book. And, uh, and several years ago, I asked that God would wake me with a chorus or a hymn or something in the morning. And unless, the, unless my cat gets ahead of God, uh, it works that way. And, when I begin, and even without using a hymn book, although A.W. Tozer says a hymn book and a Bible is all you need to have meditation, <laughs> but without actually using a hymn book, the, the phrases, you know, like everyone knows the first verse of Amazing Grace. Uh, and the other great songs that I was raised with and the ones I'm being introduced to now in our new praise worship. Uh, I'm not a musician and I, I don't I don't normally sing, but the words they they are ground into my mind and I'm so thankful for that. That they come and give me one of the places. But like you, Barb, I'm also a, a morning person and after the music settles down a little bit, it's got to be quiet. Very, mm -hmm. very quiet. <laughs> And dark. <laughs> yeah. You know, though, Barb, I, I love that you did say that it, really you must have scripture. 
And I would never want to leave the impression that a person can get by on praise music and a starry sky. I, I don't think so at all. No, and, I, and I know you don't think that, Stan. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're all in agreement in, on that, in, at least. Um, in fact, as the farther along I've gotten, the more scripture I have memorized. Now, mm. I'll tell you the verse of it. Somebody go, where's that? And I'll go, I don't know. It's in Isaiah somewhere. I would <laughs> look these things up over and over. But I find them uh, rising up in me because I have them memorized. And so I think it's important, crucially important, that people ground themselves by reading scripture. And I know at some point you probably are going to talk about that, but I think you must have scripture embedded in your mind. Let's take that turn for a second then and dive into what are some helpful approaches to reading scripture in your daily devotion? Because as we've all said, there are ways that you can misread scripture and miss the point that God's trying to get across to you. So what are some helpful hermeneutics, helpful approaches to reading scripture in your quiet times? Let me jump on my hobby horse just a moment. Uh, there, are, there are three things we need to do with scripture on a regular basis. One is read. Second is study. And the third is meditate or ingest or reflect on whatever terminology we want to use, contemplate, whatever. And unfortunately, particularly newer Christians or Christians who have not given a lot of thought to it, their approach to scripture is simply read, read, read. They can read large quantities of scripture. And God does speak in that way. There's no, no sense that God is restricted to a particular method. But sometimes then, if we're not careful, in my situation, I have to be very careful that I don't study scripture for my devotion. Because then we're using a, I'm using a rational approach and, and a framework and so on, and I have a different purpose. My purpose there is understanding. And but if I'm if I'm actually using scripture for devotion, which I need to be and want to be and do, it's the meditation, the reflection, it's a memorization. Shame on you, Stan, for having a better memory than I do, because it doesn't work for me either. That, that is but, so not true. <laughs> but the, re the reflection and the contemplation, the catching on of words, and we pick those up pretty quick because you read it, and then all of a sudden there's a little stirring, and the Spirit brings it back to you sometime. So as long as we understand that reading for content primarily is not going to do the job for us in personal devotion, we need to read it. We J.I. Packer says we need a we need a steady, quick march through the Bible. But then we come back and we pause and rest on the scripture. See, and I love that, Al, because I, I've always had this struggle. I've, you know, there's these, every now and then you'll hear this thing, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. I've never understood why I have a time frame to march through scripture. That's never worked for me. That doesn't mean other people shouldn't do it. I just, uh, I need to read until God calls something out. And then I stop right there and have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I've read through the Bible twice, I think, and I did both times on a year. But my reading through the Bible was not part of my devotion. Right, yeah. That was my reading time. Good mm -hmm. point. Um, and, and that's a good thing to do, whether you do it in six months or a year or whatever long it takes you. That's irrelevant. That's just a goal and it's a guide to get something done that maybe you would stop. But I think what, what I like to do with Scripture in the devotion is 
um, maybe as I, if I was reading through the Bible, or maybe I'm reading a particular uh, book of the Bible, I might find a passage that kind of jumps out at me for some reason. And then and a passage could be three verses or 20 verses, but it's not a whole ton of things. It's not like the book of something. So I'll read that then as my devotion to say, God, what is it that you're saying to me through these words? And maybe I'll write down a note or maybe I won't get a response or I'm not aware of a response and maybe it comes later. But then I read the same thing the next morning. What, what is it? I mean, I may stay focused on this, which leans into the meditation part of it, but I'm really saying, I want to really look at this. And I think the biggest example for me was during the uh, Antioch project. And it was Deuteronomy 10 verses 10 through 12. I went back to that numerous times and reread it and actually then took a whole afternoon one day, sat in the sunny part of the uh, library over by uh, Pleasant Valley and just wrote what I thought that was telling me, pages for about three hours mm. because it meant that much to me. But it was the devotion part of it was where, what are you telling me in this? Why is this sticking with me? And yeah. it's become really almost a life verse. That's great. I, th I think Al one time said that if you're studying to get a, an analytical grasp of the scriptures, you're going to read them differently than if you're studying them so that God can speak to you and you can speak to God. I mean, Al, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have this distinct memory of you saying that once. That has always been helpful for me, that my time of devotion to feel close to God and to listen to him and talk to him, I don't approach scripture the same way as if I'm actually trying to learn scripture. Did that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think there's something about just the more time you spend seeping in scripture, even if it's just in a devotional sense, I mean, you're just, you're naturally going to learn more. And I think as you're able to bring those two things together, that's where it becomes so powerful for each of you is then taking your knowledge of the scriptures from over the years and being able to say, I can understand what God's trying to point to me too. And I just think that's powerful. That's good. And, and during the day when the scripture comes back to you, be sure and say, thank you. Yeah. Because, yes. it, because it's, it's not you and it's not the, the devil for sure. So you know, it's the Holy spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. Any other thoughts on, approaches to scripture or just helpful uh helpful ways you guys have found for understanding the scripture in your quiet times i mean if you're asking for final words i would only say the only wrong thing you can do is not do it yeah yeah that's right that's right that's a good point good way of summing up yeah and right. sometimes i think people find it difficult to say well where do i what do i focus on what book do i look at what yeah and if that's where they are then you know go to one of Paul's letters or go to one of the gospels. And uh, because you're probably new in your relationship and you're wanting something that's going to speak to you and it's going to relate to who Jesus is in some way yeah. and what he expects of us as his Christian representatives. So that's a good place to start, but don't be, don't ignore the old Testament. And we have a tendency, especially the younger generations and even 
people that are my age, it's like, well, that's, that's really valuable. Well, yes, it is. They just don't understand how. So there are passages in the Old Testament that will really get you. And one that I like that I was a surprise to me a few uh, recent years was uh, Zephaniah 319, if I have the right one with a Z. Um, and it's the one that says, and God sang joy over you. He sang with joy over who you were. And I think that's, I think it's Zephaniah 319. So anyway, that's close. <laughs> It's Zephaniah. Yeah. Yeah. Zephaniah. Okay, great. <laughs> Barb, you just did it that way to make me feel better when I go, I don't know, it's somewhere in. Oh, I do that all the time. I mean, I have to. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> and I think something you guys have mentioned that's key is, you know, you've talked about the distinction of not doing your quiet times in such a way that it's just all for intellectual understanding. Right. What you all mentioned is that you should have a separate time of reading for that. And I think yeah. that's a key distinction because for many people, if all you're doing is simply devotional reading and there's not a sense of understanding, then it really will be hard to understand the Bible. So there does have to be, to your point, time you spend in the Word just to begin to understand it. Um, the same way that when you meet a new friend, there's going to be some time where you're just getting to know that friend. And the more you get to know them, the more you can understand everything they're saying. And there's this love in the relationship that forms. And so I think that's a key nuance. So none of you are saying to only read devotionally and never for understanding, but that you have to bring those two things together. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, uh, one thing that comes to mind for me that maybe someone's a new Christian or just starting to get into reading their Bible is it can be really intimidating, especially, you know, Barb, you mentioned the old Testament and you, there's all these genealogies and these names and, um, <laughs> I, I, one of the things that was helpful for me that Brad Daniel, who was my youth pastor at the time, uh, recommended is Psalm 119 has some great meditations on, Lord, help me delight in your word, but also help me understand. And there's in Psalm 119, I think it's, it's like around verse 25, the psalmist will talk about, Lord, just help me understand your word. And that's just been a prayer for me of, okay, God, I, I'm going into, maybe I'm in Leviticus and I'm, maybe someone is doing that year long quiet time. They hit Leviticus and like, okay, what, what's going on with these laws? Or just help me understand. That's been really helpful for me. Well, we also, something else that we run into, uh, when we re are reading Bible for content, we run into intellectual problems yeah. that we want to explore. We want to do some research. We want to ask somebody about it. When we're reading devotionally, the one we want to ask is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But one thing about, about the genealogies and, and all that Old Testament stuff, I, I read the Old Testament once. Uh, <laughs> is always ask, and this is one of my rubrics, always ask, what does it tell us about God? Whether you're reading a genealogy or whether you're reading how to offer sacrifice or whether you're reading a complaint in the Psalms, what does it tell us about God? Because this is his book given for the purpose of revealing his identity and his nature, his character, and his purpose. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I asked that question too. Somebody from, I uh, don't believe it was you, but we had a guest speaker from Midwest Seminary uh, back when uh, David um, Birch was leading the adult teachers, and he came to introduce a, whatever the study was going to be. And then he said, here are three questions you should always ask yourself. One of them is, what is it? What do we learn about God with this? Why 
was, is this important enough to be included in God's word? And what difference is it going to make in your life? All right. So those are the three questions. And those have stuck with me. And I've used those in so many different ways in personal devotions, but also in um, 